Good to be here this morning. Say amen. 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 It's good to be here. Good to be in the house of the Lord. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm glad that you know uh, low numbers, high numbers don't really had never really ever affected me. Uh, I'm glad where it says this: a couple of us are gathered together. He'll be with us, and uh, he's always been with me. Uh, I'm glad that I can say that I'm, I'm saved by God's grace, and He's always been with me wherever I've went. And uh, I've went to some places that some people probably wouldn't go, uh, but I'm glad that I've went and He's went with me. Uh, each and every place that I've went. So, uh, if you have your Bibles uh, <clears throat> with you this morning, we'll be in the book of Acts, uh, chapter 16. We'll be in the book of Acts, chapter 16. And we will start in Acts 16, in verse 27. And if you can, this morning, when you get to Acts, chapter 16, verse 27, if you would please stand, the reverence of the reading of the Word of God. Acts. Uh, chapter 16, starting with verse 27, the Word of God says this, And the keeper of the prison, awakening out of his sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling, and fell down before Paul and Silas. And I want you to realize what he asked Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for allowing us to come together here this morning. I, I thank you for the Spirit, Lord Father, that you blessed us with here. Lord, I thank you for the ones that had a desire to come out. Lord, I pray that you watch over the ones that are sick, the ones that are uh, going through difficult times. Lord, I, I pray, Lord, that you'll watch over us as we go throughout this service. Uh, uh, use the Scripture, use the Word, Lord Father, that you be impressed upon our hearts and continue to work in a mighty way. Lord, I pray for conviction this morning. I pray for us to draw closer to you before it's everlasting too late. In Jesus' name I ask, Amen. Uh, you can be uh, seated this morning. Now, uh, a simple thought and a simple message, I, I said it earlier, I I don't plan on preaching very long this morning because of, uh, of the simplistic nature of what I've been shown in the Scripture, but I've said that before and I've preached a long time, so uh, don't get too excited that we'll go back there and eat pretty quickly. But uh, the simple thought that we want to look at is, is the simplicity of the question uh, that the jailer asked. Now, Paul and Silas had been thrown in prison. Uh, it says that at midnight, in verse 25, they started praying. Uh, they started singing praises unto God. Uh, uh, there was a wonderful thing that happened in verse 26. Uh, an earthquake shook the jail, shook the bars of the doors loose, uh, and the doors pretty much uh, uh, came wide open and everyone's bands were loose. Now, uh, there's a special phenomenon that happened in that old uh, old prison there that, that night. Uh, and now an earthquake can sort of halfway be explained. Uh, an earthquake and some shifting uh, with the foundation of the prison could, could maybe open the doors. Uh, uh, but I really don't have an explanation uh, scientifically uh, to say that uh, locks and, and, the, and the bonds on their arms and on their feet uh, would just open up. I, don't I can't explain that uh, in any way uh, scientifically other than saying it was the power of God in that prison. Uh, now, that thing happened, and the keeper of the prison awakened. Uh, now, he was a tough guy. Any, anybody keeping a prison these days uh, uh, was probably a rough cut, uh, a tough guy. He wouldn't take no bull off nobody. Uh, he was probably a mean fellow. But when he woke up, he saw that the prison doors were open, and he just assumed uh, that everybody had, had escaped while he was sleeping. Uh, uh, first of all, you weren't supposed to be sleeping uh, when you're watching the prison gates, uh, when you're supposed to be watching prisoners. But when he awoke, uh, he didn't really 
realized that something had happened while he was asleep. Uh, uh, the doors were open and it says that he would have killed himself uh, if everybody would have got out because he surely would have known uh, that he would have been put to death uh, by letting all the prisoners loose. So they get to this point uh, that they see this, but Paul cried out with a loud voice saying, hey, uh, don't hurt yourself. Uh, everybody's here. Everybody's still in this jail cell. And he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, What must I do to be saved? Now, this week, I've seen something. I'm, I'm part of a pastor's group online, and I really do enjoy that pastor's group. We don't discuss theology normally. Uh, we're there to comfort each other. We're there to support each other, to pray for each other with their problems. Uh, every now and then we get on something theology, and it usually gets erased because that's not allowed. But uh, the question was poised in our group. If somebody asked you how to get to heaven, what would you tell them? Now, understand this. There's 3,600 pastors from all over this country and all over multiple countries in that group. And that question was poised in the group and I was totally blown away by the answers given in the group by people that call themselves men of God. Uh, there were answers given where they said, well, uh, we should believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, that, that sounds good. And some of them said, yes, you must believe that He is the Son of God. You must repent. Well, that makes kind of sense. But uh, some of the answers uh, really confused me. I got down to certain answers that said, uh, uh, you must give to the church if you, must, if you want to go to heaven. Uh, we must uh, uh, do this or do that. You must be baptized uh, to get to heaven. If you want to go to heaven, you have to do this or do that. You, you have to sell all your possessions Give them to the poor and follow Jesus. Those are answers that pastors gave when they say, what must I do to go to heaven? And I want you to realize something. It's very simple in the Word of God what you must do to be saved. Now you have an answer in your text right after the verse, but I'm stopping there and I don't want you to read it. Most of you know what it says, but I don't want to go to that exact point right now. The main question in the text is what? must I do to be saved? The question I'm going to look at this morning with us together is what must I do to get to heaven? Now everybody here, I guarantee you that if I asked you if you're in your right mind, would say, yes, I want to go to heaven. You say, yes, Zach, I want to walk the streets of gold. Uh, yes, I, I want to be with Jesus. Uh, yes, I want to be in the presence of an almighty God. Uh, yes, I, I want to see my loved ones that's went on before me. Uh, most of us would say, well, of course. Uh, yes, one day I want to have a crown to be placed on my head and throw at the feet of Jesus because I'm unworthy of the crown. That's the correct answer that we'd have. But so many of us have different answers on how to get there. Now, the Bible gives us clear understanding of how to get there, but we're going to get there through a series of thoughts. The first thought is that if he died, he died for everyone. Now, Jesus died on the cross of Calvary, and when he died, the Bible tells us that he died for all. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15, it says in that he died for all, that they which should live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. What does it say at the beginning of that verse? And that he died 
for all. Nowhere in that scripture does it say that he died for an elect. He did not die for a specific denomination. He died. He did not have an exclusive or, excuse me, an inclusive sacrifice on Calvary that certain people could be saved. He says that he died for all. So the beginning of the question is, what do I need to do to go to heaven? Is first of all, it applies to everybody. Here, not a specific group, not man or, or woman, uh, not a particular race, uh, not a specific religion, but for everybody. Jesus died for all. The second thing that we want to look at is that we know that Jesus died for all, so that salvation is for all, but what stops us from just going to heaven? Uh, most people don't realize that when you're born and you enter into a certain age or, or you reach a certain point in your life that you realize that you've sinned or, or, or what have you, uh, something stops you from going to heaven. And it is sin. Sin stops you from going to heaven. You say, Zach, uh, uh, Jesus uh, paid the price for sin. Uh, Jesus covered and forgave all sins. Now, then, in the book of Romans, chapter 3, verse 23, it says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So to understand that today, we have to understand that what stops you uh, from going to heaven, it is sin because in Romans, chapter 6, verse 23, it says the wages of sin is death. So we understand that all have sinned and sin's wages is death. And not just physical death. Uh, to help you realize what death is, uh, a truly understanding death is a separation from you and God. When you truly die a death, not a physical death, but a death, a spiritual death, you are dead and separated from Jesus Christ. The wages of sin is death. What drives away Jesus Christ is your sin. What drives away salvation is sin. We live in a sinful world. We're born sinful people. We have inherited sin. We have the sin in the Garden of Eden that pretty much gave us a death sentence unless we follow God. Unless we follow Jesus Christ. So we know that if you want to go to heaven, it's available to each and every one of us. If you want to realize what's going to stop you from going to heaven, is your sin, and we all have sinned. The next thing people ask a lot is, what does it cost? Now, everybody in here can understand that if you want to get something, everything in this world costs something. If you want to, uh, if you want to lose weight, it's going to cost you from not having to eat so much. <laughs> if you want to save up to buy a car, uh, you're going to have to give a sacrifice and give something up to get it. Uh, if you want to uh, put in savings, you have to actually uh, put it in savings. The cost uh, of buying a car is money, and we understand acquiring things and the cost of things. Uh, but when we look at salvation, if we look at our home and glory, the Bible tells us that it costs us nothing. y'all know that? The Bible tells us it costs me nothing. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the what? It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It costs you nothing to get to heaven. Understand this. It costs you nothing to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So many people. Hey, I remember when I was 15 years old, and I vividly remember the day that I accepted Jesus Christ. Multiple times it had run through my mind, or what do I have to give up? 
What do I have to change in my life uh, uh, to accept Jesus Christ? Uh, things will become different. And praise the Lord, they did. Uh, things did become different. Uh, I did have to give things up. But praise the Lord, it wasn't because uh, I didn't want to give them up. Uh, hey, I wanted to give those things up. My life changed. Uh, the Bible says you become a new creature. And praise the Lord, in this text, it says it is the gift of God. Now, I don't know if y'all realize this, uh, but if I get a gift for y'all and I get it packaged up, I ain't going to give you a gift and say, hey, I need $20 because that's how much it costs. I ain't going to give you a gift and then mail you a bill in the mail and say, hey, I don't know if you know what I do. The gift was expensive. You need to pay me back for it. Now, I don't know if y'all do that. Shame on you if you do. But gifts are meant to be free. Uh, gifts are meant to us to enjoy and not have to spend anything to get them. Now, my wife will tell you, he doesn't, Zach doesn't like to get gifts that much. There's one thing that I hate. I hate uh, Christmas time opening gifts in front of people. It, it makes me nervous. I'm always afraid. My face uh, is not always a joyous face. I don't know why. I'm not always just a chipper smiling. Hey, y'all laughing. It's fine. I know that I have a face that sometimes you look at me and say, man, what's wrong with him? It's just how my face is. And I hate opening gifts from people because I can't tell what face I've got on and I'm opening the gift and they're looking at me and I'm like, okay, I'm not even going to look. I'll just open that later. And I just want to watch the kids open their gifts. Hey, I don't like to do that. I don't like to do that kind of stuff. And, I, and you know, we, we get gifts and we have the gift of salvation. It's free. That's how good God is to us. He's gave us a gift that cost us nothing. The gift of God. So first of all, you know, we, we, we understand this for everybody. We know that sin is stopping you. And we know that it is a gift and it costs nothing for you to accept Jesus Christ. But the bad thing about a gift is if I bought you a gift, it didn't cost you anything, but what did it do to me? It cost me something. Now, if I give you a gift, I don't expect anything in return. And I like to give gifts. I like to see smiling faces. I... I like to go through the lunch line at work and it surprises people. I'll, I'll buy lunch for people I don't even know. They get behind me and I, you know, our, our lunches are pretty inexpensive at work to me. They are. I get up there and I've got $10 in my pocket. I'm going to buy the person behind me's lunch that day. I don't care who walks up behind me. And it's just, uh, it, give, it gives me joy to do that. And I'm not boasting to you today, church, well, yeah, Zach just does good deeds all the time. No, I'm trying to tell you that a gift... It's something that you should enjoy giving, but it does cost you something. It costs you that little bit. Now, it did cost somebody something to get the price of salvation. Romans 4.25, it says, Who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Jesus Christ was delivered for our offenses and praise the Lord, He was raised again. Praise the Lord. Now, his death paid the sacrifice, but he rose again, uh, praise the Lord, for our justification. Now, that Greek word that they translated justification, it comes from a root, root word in the Greek, and I'm not going to try to pronounce it, but the word means acquittal. It means acquittal. And if most of you understand what being acquitted of a crime means, is that when you go to a courthouse and they say, you've done something bad, but we're just going to forget it. <laughs> Okay, 
I don't know if y'all have ever been to court, and I've never been to court and been in trouble, uh, but if I was in some major trouble and I knew I had done something, I knew I had stole, I knew I had cheated, I knew I had burned something down, I had created a, a major law breaking, and when I got to the place that they were supposed to judge me, and they said, you've been acquitted. Everything you've done, we're just going to forget it. We're not going to try you. We're not going to bring it up again. It is done. That's what Jesus Christ did when he rose again. Praise the Lord this morning that your offenses, your problems, the things that you've done wrong has been wiped away by Jesus Christ on the cross. He has said to you, you've been acquitted. You have had everything forgotten that you've done. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, it says, For Christ also once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that may, he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Now, very simply, that tells me that Jesus Christ was put to death so that we could be justified. Jesus Christ died so that I could live. The Son of God came and laid His life down so that my life could go up. Praise the Lord today. What did it cost you? It cost you nothing. It cost Jesus Christ everything. Ain't it good to know that we've got somebody that's paid the price? In fact, it's a price that we could not pay. I could not muster up the money. I could not buy enough things. It, it told us very simply in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 9, it says, Not of works, lest any man should boast. There, there's not a price tag on salvation. Uh, there's not a, a dedicated time stamp that you have to serve the Lord. It's not saying uh, uh, you have to give up every Saturday and Sunday and Monday and Tuesday. I'm glad that the gift of God is free, but Jesus paid the, the price for us. The next day John seeth Jesus. In John chapter 1 verse 29, and seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. I'm glad that when Jesus came, He came and He took away the sin of the world. The sin of the world. He took away my sins. He took away my iniquities. He took away your sins. He took away your iniquities. It cost you nothing. Sin is what's stopping you from getting to heaven. And praise the Lord, He didn't die for just a few folks. He died for the world. Everybody's sin, praise the Lord, on that cross at Calvary was paid for. Ain't that good? That's so sad to think about our Savior hanging on the cross. But my goodness, on that third and glorious day, there was a stone that was rolled away. There was an angel sitting on that old stone. And they said, why do you look, among, look for the living among the dead? Praise the Lord. I'm glad today we are not a people of death. We're not a people that's a dead folks. We're a people of a living, true God. We're a people of a living God that rose again and He ascended. He's sitting on the right hand of God bearing intercessor for you and me. If you want to know how you get to heaven, you need to know what's available for you. You need to know that you've got a problem called sin. He has paid the price and gave you a free gift. This morning, if you want to be saved, all you have to do is understand those things in the last part of this. Now that old Philippian jailer, it says that he fell down trembling. Brought them out and said, what must I do to be saved? And boy, I hear people ask that. And I hear so many different answers. But I want you to know what Paul and Silas said 
to the Philippian jailer. He said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. Now what they told the Philippian jailer is something that so many people overlook, uh, so many people don't hold on to, uh, so many people try to read into all the different things. He was talking to a Gentile fella. And guess what? We Gentiles here today, I don't believe none of y'all are Jews. He's talking to a Gentile jailer. Same scenario for us. What must you do this morning to be saved? You must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You must believe on the only begotten Son of God. You must understand that you are a sinner and there is no other way for your sins to be acquitted, to be forgiven, to be washed away than to believe in God's Son. Believe in God's Son that paid your debt, that acquitted your sins, and all through His death on the cross. If you want to know how to be saved today, if you want to know what to tell people when they ask you, how do I become a Christian? Uh, how do I uh, become saved? Uh, uh, how do I see granddaddy and grandmama again, those old saints of the Lord, uh, those people that worship the true and living God? Uh, if you want to tell people how they can accept Christ, uh, if you know people that fell by the wayside uh, and they need to hear about a saving Jesus, you got to tell them to believe. <laughs> you got to tell them to believe in an almighty God. I can't think of a better, mm, easy thing to do. Believe. Now, if you run up a credit card to about $30,000, and I've used this comparison before, if you run up a credit card to about $30,000 in debt, unless you're making a whole lot of money <laughs> to pay it off that debt, you ain't ever going to pay that credit card off. Ever. I don't care what you do. It'll take you years and years and probably never do it. But if the credit card company calls you and says, we will forgive you your debts. We'll forgive you $30,000. we will forgive you $1 million in debt. If you say, I believe in you, Discover Card. I believe in you, Capital One. I believe in you. If you buy a car, and you take out a big loan, a big loan that you can't pay back, and the car company called you, and the loan company said, if you'll just say you believe in us, we'll wash that away. How many of you would do it? Me? I say, I believe in you, Capital One. I say, I believe in you, Discover Car. Hey, I believe in you, Mortgage Company. I believe if you wash away that debt. We have something so simple as the sin debt that we have. We have problems that will stop us from going to heaven. We have people running around doing as they please. And a simple believing in Jesus Christ, trusting in Him, will save you. And people don't do it. My goodness. I don't understand why we don't have people lined up by the droves. You know, the people that have been saved, I believe they think the same way I do. Why doesn't everybody want this? Why doesn't the church houses, every church house in the country, have to add on every month to their church, add chairs, add seats? When churches have revivals, why aren't we having to line up chairs outside the doors? Hey, when I was growing up, the church I went to, we had to put chairs outside the doors on the porch. I had to look through the window and lift the window up during one of our revivals just to see it and hear it. 
And we wonder why, why don't people do that? It's because of the simplicity. It's hard for people to understand. We live in a world that is commercial. We live in a world that is capitalistic. We live in a world where it takes money to get things, where it takes power, where it takes time. But I'm glad through the saving blood of Jesus, it's free. It doesn't cost us a dime. The whole thing has been paid for in advance. Well, should you imagine going up to a car dealership and looking at a brand new car and saying, this is the car that I've always wanted? And a salesman walking up and saying, you know, it's already been paid for. Take it. Could you imagine walking up to a house? This is the house that I've always wanted. And the salesman saying, yeah, it's already paid for. Take it. All you have to do is believe. Well, I tell you what, church, that's all that Jesus asks us today. If you want to realize what it takes to be saved, if you want to realize what it takes to have a home in glory, if you want to realize what it takes to have your sins washed away and become a child of the King, you have to believe. That's something so simple I think a child can understand. That's something so simple. I, the church house today suffers because we make everything so difficult. We want to preach and teach theology theology till we're blue in the face. All the laws and all the different instructions. What must we do? We, we want to make the church Jesus and, and I'm anti-Jesus and. If there's anybody that's anti-Jesus and, it's me. The church house today, the saving grace today, it's not about Zach Stone, it's not about Max, it's not about Vivian, Matthew, it's, none of, it's not none of y'all. Not about none of these kids. The saving power is believing in Jesus. The saving power is a transformed life by believing in the only begotten Son of God that came and died for you and died for me. As they get a verse of some song ready this morning, we have to know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, do you know that you know that you know that you believe in Jesus Christ? That you've called upon a a Savior, that's the only begotten Son of God. It doesn't take any other name. By no other name can man be saved other than Jesus Christ. If you want to go to heaven, if you want to see your children that's saved, if you want to see your grandparents that's saved, if you want to see your parents one day that's saved, if you want to see any, if you want to get to a home in glory and see a Christ that died for you, you must be saved. The Bible says you must be born again. I'm glad today that it took that blood of Jesus on that cross. I don't know how you can take red blood and make a robe white, but I want you to know something. When Jesus applied the blood to me, I, can't, I had a spiritual white robe that came upon me, and it made me holy. There's nothing that Zach has done. I'm glad there's nothing that can be bought that says that we couldn't do enough works, we can't do enough things to get it. But we can trust in Him, we can believe. Philippian jailer came trembling down said, what must I do to be saved? And he told him to believe. And I'm glad in that scripture that when he told him to believe, it says that you'll be saved. Now it says in so many ways that your house will be saved, but your house got saved because they brought it home with them. And his family heard the gospel too. I'm glad it takes one person in the family to save everybody in the family sometimes. I'm glad it takes the Spirit of God working on one person 
to start working on everybody. I'm glad it takes just one person in the church house a lot of times that's making one move and the whole church house becomes different because they start following God. As we stand, what page you got? Page 385 today.